The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, let's say good morning to Pavan Brach, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, also of note, part-time farmer, uh, public affairs strategist and Canadian-Ukrainian sanctioned victim or target uh, by <laughs> Russia, Larissa Waller is here, and Richard Krauss, host of the podcast, Last Call with Richard Krauss. It's Tuesday, Richard. You must be a little punch drunk from the festival. I am. I am. Although last night was a high point. I went to see Stop Making Sense, the 40-year-old Talking Heads concert film, and people were dancing in the aisles. It was an unbelievable night. So I'm feeling a little bit invigorated by about 8 o'clock tonight, though. That feeling will have passed. Okay. And the Talking Heads were there, right? The Talking Heads were there. It was a weird, awkward Q and A because uh, they don't really like one another very much. I don't think, uh, but uh, it was an incredible moment. Yeah, I will always remember, and we don't have to go down this alleyway forever. But uh, the very first rock video I ever saw was on um, SCTV, and it was the Talking Heads. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, listen, go see this movie when it comes out in a couple of weeks and bring your dancing shoes. It's unbelievable what they've done to restore it. Okay, so uh, let's actually start with uh, Bonnie Crombie. She says of the 80,000 new members signed up for the provincial Liberal Party, 40,000 of them are her. So one has to think, and I'll start with Pavan Brach, that she kind of has this in the bag, in which case, you know, why wait for Christmas? <laughs> well, even it's interesting that even number two guy, Erskine Smith, acknowledged that he's probably in second place. So that's that's interesting to hear. Um, she she probably does have it in the bag. But uh, I have to say that uh, she had a pretty disastrous start to her campaign. Uh, she went right off the rails at the beginning with some pronouncements on the green belt and health care, et cetera. And uh, and then she seemed to go dark and quiet and 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 got got the job done. Obviously, not hard to to, to quote unquote sell memberships when they're free. Uh, but uh, they, uh, she uh, she does seem to be on her way to success. But I would say that uh, lots of clouds forming if she, if she is successful and does become the leader. Doug Ford is going in, and as as we may all as we all know, auditing the city of Mississauga, auditing Brampton and Caledon, Caledon in the hopes of you know kind of their plan to break up Peel. Uh, and I'm sure they'll be out looking for lots of dirt along the way. So uh, she she's got her work cut out if she does win. Larissa, it's kind of an anticlimactic. Uh, process by which they select their next leader, but we will know before Christmas. And then I guess it's all about the rebuild. Yeah, you know, and she's got a big job ahead of her. And I'm I'm, I'm speaking as though I'm, I'm presuming she's going to win because the minute she decided to run for leader, you know, the writing was on the wall for the other candidates. Um, I wonder when she did decide to run for leader, because if you look at the timing, it's sort of sketch, frankly. Um, <laughs> you know, if it, it, nobody thought that Stephen Del Duca was going to win and become premier during the last provincial election. And if you look at the timing of that, the last municipal election when she became mayor of Mississauga was, you know, less than a year ago. And we just had a by-election in Toronto, and that was like, you know, over $13 million of cost to the city, never mind like volunteer hours and donors and stuff like that. So like if we're then looking for a by-election in Mississauga, just, you know, one third of the size of Toronto, it's at least four million bucks just to the cost of the city. So I don't know how she's going to get away with one, running a by-election if she resigns, but if she doesn't resign, because I I know you said that she doesn't technically have to resign, like, how do you do both? And so I wish she had made the decision of what she wants her political career to look like, 
um, a little more cleanly than she did. Yeah. And Richard Krauss, I kind of see it as a bit of a false talking point, the idea that somebody should have to resign the job they have in order to run for another job. So I'm fine with Bonnie Crombie continuing to be mayor of Mississauga pending the outcome of this particular election, because nobody else has, you know, if I ran for office, I wouldn't have to, well, actually, no, I would have to quit radio. Uh, but anyway, your thoughts. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, I, I, I wish that she would kind of make up her mind. What's it going to be if I was uh, one of her constituents currently? Uh, I'd be wondering, you know, what will happen uh, in December when she if she becomes it looks like she will uh, becomes the leader of the Liberal Party. Do we have a mayor? Do we have to go through another election? What happens here? And uh, it, it feels to me uh, as though she's trading up in a way that as a as if I was a constituent of hers, um, I'd be a little less than pleased. I'd be a little less than enthusiastic about yeah, well, I guess it's kind of like, you know, your date flirting with somebody at the next table. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so new stats would suggest there's been a double digit decline in the number of people dining in restaurants. Uh, Larissa, I don't know, maybe that's a sign of the economy. Maybe it's post COVID. Maybe we've all become really good home cooks. It's probably all of those things. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit of a story. When when I go to the restaurants with when I go to the restaurants, when I go to a restaurant with my kids um, and, you know, my my 11 year old's a little opinionated and he's like, oh, my God, it's 16 bucks for a pound of chicken wings. And then we try to explain to him what goes into that 16 bucks. Right. You got to pay for the chicken, the farm that the chicken came from. Once you get to the restaurant, it's the hydro, the labor, like everything goes into that that price on that dish. And everything's just getting more expensive. And I think, you know, dining out, unfortunately, is a luxury that people can afford to cut out of their lives. Um, you know, groceries alone are astronomically expensive right now. So I can understand why this decline is happening. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll make a plug that if you are dining out, tip well, because, you know, less people are dining out and those servers rely on tips to make ends meet, too. Okay. When I look at these numbers, Richard Krause, I figure, I guess I'm propping up the restaurant industry. <laughs> You and me both. I mean, I we, we're, <laughs> we're still going out uh, because I worked in the restaurant business for a long time. Um, it's just part of of my culture is to go out and 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 my my lifestyle to go out. Uh, but restaurants are noticeably less busy. Uh, there's noticeably fewer places opening for lunch. Uh, you know, they're only opening for dinner because a maybe they can't get staff because there are still big staffing issues. People aren't spending as much money. There's offices downtown. Uh, many of them are sitting empty. And so you don't have those people running out to grab a sandwich or a bite to eat at lunchtime. So all that is happening. And I also think that during the pandemic, we got used to making stronger drinks at home than you're going to get in a restaurant. We got used to uh, cooking uh, at home and people, I think, start habits very easily, new habits. And, you know, when you're in lockdown for two and a half years, all those things start to build up so that when it's over, as it, you know, sort of kind of is now uh, and the restaurants are open, you're thinking, yeah, but I can have a, you know, a, a steak at home for a, a third of the price that it would uh, cost to go out. And I don't have to risk my life on the subway to get there. And I don't have to do all the things that go along with going out. And uh, it, this is not surprising to me, but it saddens me because I think to keep a vibrant city, you have to have a vibrant restaurant and bar scene. You have to. It's crucial to it. And Pav and I joke that I'm propping up the restaurant industry. I should say um, we I'm, I'm a bit of a sociophobe. So we eat at home way more than we eat out. 
Yeah, no, lots of people probably are doing that. Listen, I, I've, I've had experience in hospitality sector. I own, own a building that has a substantial uh, restaurant uh, in it. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's just the, the outcome of everything we've been through, the interest rates, you know, the the number of increases we've had in interest rates, the uh, the inflation, the the restaurant prices have exploded. Uh, and, and I don't want to contradict Larissa's suggestion to tip and tip well, but, um, you know, it's becoming tough to tip 20% on after-tax dollars uh, for folks, which is become de rigueur and, and I understand that and I'm very respectful of people in that sector but uh, you know all of it kind of totals up to a big uh, big huge bill and and I think you know let's see if the if the if the decision does not in- raise interest rates for the time being will, will have some impact September's always a slow month but uh, we'll see how Christmas uh, turns out I think people regard this as a third rail topic, and that would be immigration quotas. But I think it's a conversation we have to have. Uh, Larissa, I'll start with you on it. Uh, A new poll finds that Canadians are uncomfortable with our new targets, which are a half a million newcomers, not including refugees, but a half a million newcomers every single year. But I think a lot of people are loath to raise this as a debatable because they think it makes them look like racists. Yeah. And you know what? Immigration, just like a lot of topics that we're talking about, you know, generally right now, you've got to be really considerate and careful about the words you use. And so I understand why people are hesitant to talk about it. Um, You know, Deb Deb Hutton said earlier, you can you can criticize the system without criticizing immigration. And I think if we didn't have a housing crisis across the city, uh, across the country, if we didn't have, you know, astronomical prices everywhere, people would be less critical of immigration right now. Um, I think there's a lot the federal government needs to do to improve the system because honestly, we need immigrants, right? We need people working in construction to build the homes. We need immigrants, you know, in literally every sector of our economy. Uh, We won't grow without it. But where these immigrants go once they get to Canada, where they're going to live, making sure they get a good start, right? doesn't matter where you're coming from. If you're an immigrant from almost any country in the world, that first year in Canada, you need support. And there isn't uh, enough support, I think, from the federal government or even community agencies to make sure that our immigrants get a good start and aren't seen as a burden to the wider Canadian, um, you know, community, wider Canadian you know, housing market, what have you. Yeah, Bob, and I keep hearing the premier say, we've got 500,000 people coming to Ontario. That's why we have a housing crisis. And nobody ever asks the question, okay, maybe we need to ease back on the taps. Yeah, no, I think, uh, listen, first and foremost, I would say it's not racist to have a discussion about it. I'm a brown guy and, uh, you know, my parents came to Canada, in, in, you know, in 62. And, uh, you know, we, you, I'm sure you'll find a lot of people surveyed are people who are new Canadians. And they're basically saying, my goodness, yes, there is a housing crisis. It's unaffordable for my kids. Uh, Doug Ford is saying that, you know, we're growing faster than Florida and we're growing faster than Florida and Texas combined. So there's something good happening. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously uh, the the Bank of Canada's interest rate increases have killed new construction of houses and condos, and and so housing is going to become that much more unaffordable. But I think I think the key thing, John, is that you know we have to take step back and take a real look at a real strategy for Canada because the impact of you know the people we're bringing in, for example, only two percent of them were in the construction sector, uh, and and how does that make sense when we you know just before we had the uh, the interest rate increases that we needed construction workers, we needed people to build our roads, et cetera, and they were in short supply. And the impact of AI, I mean, we can say, oh, we should bring in programmers and we should bring in all these kinds of folks, et cetera, that that can work uh, in these fields. But AI is going 
going to have a significant impact on every sector from lawyers, accountants, even radiologists, for goodness sakes. I mean, uh, clerical workers. So we can't just assume willy nilly that all of the old rules apply going forward. And 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 uh, we do have to stop and take a hard look at who we're bringing in, in what sectors that we will need in the future. And I would separate students out from that to say that, listen, let's 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 make sure colleges, the legitimate colleges have enough space to house the students because, you know, Canadians and, and foreign students are both fighting for, for a very limited supply of, of space right now. Crack down on the immigration mills that are in these some of these colleges and uh, and make sure that we're dominating in this sector because because education is a fabulous sector and it, it's right now dominated by countries like Australia and Ireland and England. So, sorry, I just I do think we need sure. to separate what we're doing there. Thank you all. We're uh, late for the news. So my thanks to our panelists. Catch the roundtable round one at 745 round two at 845 weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.